Hey, this is Ted from Death Angel, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott here. And Richie. And we are once again back to discuss more of Maiden. Pretty good time for that as well, as Maiden is uh, off on another leg of their Legacy of the Beast tour. So uh, pretty good. And I think this one probably, like last time you were kind of, yeah, okay, first three. But now I think with these, we start to get into prime Richie territory in the Maiden canon. Yeah. D- At um, least towards the tail end, kind of your, yeah, your, your entry. Yeah, right? of uh, a lot of it is here in this episode. Yeah. Not all of it, but a yeah, lot of it. But I looked at it and went, ooh, this is definitely like all all in your wheelhouse for, for all, pretty much all of this. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, of course, um, you know, start off, right, 1983, with uh, with peace of mind, yeah, right. So, anyone, who, anyone who hasn't listened to the first episode, we we stopped on the number of the beasts. So we did. We we're starting kinda, in eighty three with with peace of mind. We're harking back to the the way we did Saxon, which is chunks of three, and uh, so that's how we're doing Maiden two with chunks of three and bit of cheating in this one though. There's four. Well, but, there's four, but well, three yeah. studio albums, yeah. and we're just going to discuss a live album as well because so, it's got some. Some more of a special meaning to to Richie, and uh, it's also, I think, um, I think it's a gateway to a lot of people too, and a lot of people refer back to this album as well as kind of like one of the first ones they saw or they listened to, and so this thing is a lot of, lot of you know, uh, import to that one. So yeah, why not throw it in? We'll get to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, peace of mind. Uh, How did you feel when Clive Burrow was sacked? Because um, you 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 were buying these albums when I they was. were coming out, I wasn't. I was, um, and you know, I wasn't. I was really focused at that point, not so much on the drummer. It was the bass was the biggest thing for me uh, at that point, and guitars. And so, going from you know Clive and going into Nico wasn't as big a deal. Now, with hindsight, I look back and I, I can now see what Clive brought and then the difference of what Nickel brought in there as well. I don't think, could they have continued on the way they did with Clive? No, so it was probably a good switch with what they did. Uh, but I wasn't, really, um, I wasn't really invested in Clive. I think, generally speaking, what I've read... And you can disagree with me. Nico's technically a better drummer than Clive, but Clive had a feel that I don't think Nico has. He did. And I kind of, I liken that to like Bill Ward. So Bill Ward has that feel that if you were to, you know, you bring in somebody else to play like Bill Ward and they don't have that same like jazz swing feel Bill brings to it. You're right. I think what Nico brought is the technicality, and I think also he had more um, like larger world experience in playing with some other quote-unquote larger bands as well, and bringing that where Clive was pretty much that you know at the roots kind of guy with the band, and didn't have wasn't playing out in other places and in, in, in bigger bands before he joined Maiden. Yeah. And of course, I run the Facebook page, and one of the things I do is I'll put up the dates and that bands play certain shows. Yeah. It's interesting when you look back on that period of Iron Maiden, the number of the Beast Tour, they did some shows in the US with, they were underneath 38 Special. <laughs> At that stage, even though Maiden had had a number one album in yeah. England, yeah. over in the US, they were still a very, very small act correct and yeah. i think over time people will lose their minds saying how can iron maiden be opening for 38 special and i bet you they blew them off the stage and maiden probably had half an hour 
they probably had little or no PA, little right. or no lights. They were very small. And right. I'm sure the headline act did fine uh-huh. because 95% of the people were there to see. They were. 38 special, special was huge. I actually, we went and saw them. Well, there's only one original guy left in the band, but went and saw them at, that's more at, than, uh, that's more than some at an outdoor van <laughs> uh, venue last summer. And great, like dead nuts on, really well done. But I remember, actually, I even remember doing stage crew for uh 38 special and they were huge at one point and you got the three guitars were going in there like all that they were a really big band so um yeah you're right i think more of the people would have been there for 38 special than for maiden yeah when maiden back at that time the whole point of them was to get on a tour and just get some sort of exposure correct Uh, i'm sure the traveling itinerary they had was horrendous and it got worse as they got bigger with yeah, the rest of the albums after we're going to talk about tonight, but especially in the U.S., just go out, get them on a tour, yep. go out with someone, yep. do shows, you know. Yep, and the difference is too is like, well, peace of mind was what it was. I think it went to what was it, number three in the U.K. and it was only it only got to number fourteen here in the U.S. So big discrepancy there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Of course, this is the first record I think they did in, in was it Compass Sound, the Bahamas? I don't think they did Peace of Mind. I think Peace of Mind, or Number of the Beast was recorded in England. Right, yeah. So this one was in Compass Point in Nassau, in the Bahamas, which I'm sure was a, a nice change for the band. <laughs> <laughs> a, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Recording back in dreary old England. Yep. Um, Martin Birch again. Absolutely. Uh, in Scotland. Black Knight Birch. And Derek, Dr. Death, <laughs> Riggs. Um, another amazing piece of art from Derek Riggs. The, the gatefold sleeve on this is... Yeah, this nice. one actually didn't really... Yeah, so I've got the original single um, that had come out. And, okay. You know, so this one, yeah, this this cover to me, it didn't grab me like a lot of others. And I think part of it was very kind of monochromatic yellow and stuff. And you compare this to like a killers and stuff. And it just didn't really catch my eye as much. Okay. But uh, still, I mean, still a great cover. Um, definitely the back cover kind of leads you to be like, you know, Oh, is Eddie escape? What's happening? You know, like all of that, which is, which is great. Derek Riggs kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't, don't have that. So yeah, even your, your like your gatefold, that's the sleeve picture yes, on the original. Yeah. Um, the artwork, and the lyrics is the other side. And the artwork on the singles on this. Uh, the Flight of Icarus artwork is fabulous. Yes. Uh, what were the other singles on this? The Trooper. Yes, exactly. Iconic yep. piece of art. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't mail in the single sleeves and put all his, you know, all his apples in one basket. I think I actually even have those singles over and, there. And, pro- and produce a, a great album. Yeah. Artwork. You could say that the single sleeves were better than this album cover. <laughs> yeah, some, some of people them, yeah. might say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I, when I was doing some research on this, and mm. to be honest with you, I, these albums are embedded in my brain anyway, so I didn't really need to listen to them again. Yeah. One of the things I did look at over these three records was the the writing credits and the way they were done. It's very interesting, even with. Comparing the writing credits versus the singles, yeah, is interesting too because you've got a pattern on the first two, and then a totally different turn on the third one. Yeah, and what what you'll find on these three records, studio albums, I'm going to talk about is Steve Harris wrote the first song yep. and the last song. Yeah, Harris didn't really write with Smith and Dickinson. Correct. He did, he did one track on on Peace of Mind. He did. Steve would write the odd track with Dave Murray. Yeah. But other than that, he used to write on his own. Right. And then Adrian Smith and Dickinson would write together. Right. Or Adrian would end up writing some of the tracks on another album further down the line that we're going to talk about. And then it's interesting. So, like, the first single on this one is a Dickinson Smith. Flight of Icarus. Yes. And then Trooper is Harris. Yeah. And yeah. it's the same pattern that ends up on Power Slave as well. So it's kind of interesting on that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. But uh, I wonder why it, St- Steve didn't write 
that much with Bruce and Adrian. Did it just not work? Because it still seems to be that way. I, they, mm. There's more of a collaboration now, I think. And they've got more songwriters in the band now because, of course, they've got Yannick writing material as yep. well. But Steve still puts in the chunk of work on albums on his own. He's got the last three tracks, I think, on yep. Shinjitsu or solely written by him. Yeah, so there's still a lot of stuff with Ari on there, but it's. I think what's also interesting on this one is, and I'm surprised it really wasn't a single, was Die With Your Boots On, which is the sole Harris, Dickinson, Smith writing, which is also probably the one that is the most commercial sounding as well, because that's the one thing I always see as kind of a hallmark of Adrian is his stuff always tends to be more commercial than what Steve writes. Definitely. You know, and so you, so that one there, it's like, oh, you can definitely hear Steve's influence on there. But, and it's really unique because when you listen to that, you can also be like, oh yeah, but I can also hear that other like sound that at this point was kind of a Steve Harris thing too. With so like if you listen to like the Trooper and stuff and you hear it that kind of thing in 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 Die as well so it's kind of it's this definitely I think shows the different songwriting partnerships yeah um, let's start talking about some of the songs on it um, War Eagles there is an amazing track fabulous brilliant drumming from Nico yeah as an introduction to him in the band like you can't beat it it really is a great great song. Um, and for a long time they hadn't they didn't play it in the set. Yeah, probably because it was really hard for Nico to play. Maybe I I don't know. Maybe the other tracks are just more popular than that. Um, but it, it really is a fabulous song. Uh, Revelations, the first track I think Bruce wrote solely for Maiden. Yeah, um, that's a brilliant song as well. Um, yeah, I wasn't as big a fan of that one. Oh, I love it. It's just so different to the first one. Yeah. Um, it just adds a new dimension to the to the sound of the band. Um, Flight of Icarus. Um, we'll get into the live after death versions. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, you know, say a hell of a lot about it now. But um, I I like the song, but I much prefer the version on Live After Death. So I think what you hear on Live After Death as well, and what's important on that song, because you're right. Here, I was never. Like, ooh, you know, really awesome. I mean, you got some good kind of studio histrionics from from Bruce on here and stuff. But live, there's like a whole new level of pomp to the song that you get, mm. and it, it and you don't get it as much here. It's almost like the thing where you know when you listen to the studio version of Cheap Tricks, "I Want You to Want Me," it's like, eh. but then you listen to it on live at Budokan, and it's like. Ah, there it is. There's the missing link. And I think Flight of Icarus is the same thing between this and the live albums. Yeah. And, and when they do it live still now. I think Die With Your Boots On. I love that song. Yeah, it's a great song. But I think at that stage, I don't think a record label was going to release three singles on a Maiden record. No, and these are all two. They weren't going to get any airplay. Right. Uh, especially in even... I don't know about over in the US, so they probably got next to nothing. Right. Um, but in the UK, the radio weren't playing Maiden either. Really? So, Oh, yeah. So for them to get two singles yeah, um, was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, if they were going to do a third, this I think this would have been... And I'm actually surprised, and there's got to be some kind of political machinations in here with band members and credits and all that, but I'm actually surprised that they didn't release Die With Your Boots On as the single instead of the troop, uh, instead of Icarus. I mean, yeah, but, Trooper is a definite single, but I'm surprised they, they released that. Yeah, but Fly With Your Boots On is over five minutes long. So yeah. it's definitely not going to get played on the radio. Flight of Icarus is nearly four, and the Trooper is just over four. Yeah, they're gonna play you were... They're going to play those. Yeah, I mean, time-wise, you're probably right, but we were at a point now, at least here with FM, where they would play longer songs. On regular commercial radio? Yeah. Not on AM, but Piss on FM, ones, yeah. <laughs> So then we got uh, the Trooper is a great song. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That, like that's that's been a staple in the set for pff, how long now? Yeah, I, I I just I can't really fault anything with that song, and that sounds great on the you know not on on live either. Yeah, and then you got Still Life, Dave Murray, co-write. They're yeah. very rare. Yeah, um, wasn't a big fan. 
I like that song. I, I wish they would have played that live over mm. the years since yeah. this album came out, and they just don't. Um, just for just to mix it up for something from this record. Yeah. Um, what I tend to find with this record is they always play the same songs live. Mm-hmm. Um, with some of the other records, they might add one into the set every now and again. That, Correct. That, that it's not played. Just some of the latter ones. Yeah, yeah. Maybe where Eagles Dare is the one here that gets pulled pulled out as a, a surprise every now and again. But it really is the Troopers always played. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Floyd Vicarus and, and, and Die With Your Boots On. And then maybe Revelations and where Eagles Dare. Mm-hmm. Um, still Life. I, I can't recall that ever being in the set list after this mm. tour. Um, I'm sure someone might message me and say, you're full of shit, it's been played 10 times, (laughs) but I don't think so. Um, The next two tracks, uh, I'm not a massive fan of. Yeah. Um, A lot of people think this is the best Maiden record. Yeah. When this album is great, it is great. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think think those, there's a reason they're relegated to side two. Yeah. I think this is definitely front-loaded. This yeah. record, oh yeah, absolutely, it's definitely front loaded. Yep. Um, at this stage, they're they're an album a year plus mm-hmm. touring. Uh, they're probably under pressure to write on the road. You got a couple of weeks off to write the whole record, mm-hmm. to finish it and rehearse it, and then we go into studio. We've got another tour booked. We need to get out there again. Yep. So what have we got? Here's what we got. Right. We just got to make do with this. I think also, I mean, they sequenced it very cleverly because you're right. I mean, it is front loaded on side one, and when you flip it over on side two you've got the Bonanza with the Trooper as well. So it's like, so you're thinking, oh, great. Side two is going to be as awesome as side one is. And, yeah. and then you just kind of keep hoping. And then you got Quest for Fire, like Steve Harris. I'm like, eh. Yeah. And I think that's based on a movie. And then a Sun, Sun and Steel, I think, is, you know, that's Dickinson Smith. Right. That's easily the worst Dickinson Dickinson Smith song on this record, written by either of them. But I will say it is a really good Trooper beer. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to get myself a four pack of that, and uh, it is a it's a good lager. Yeah, um, to tame a land. A lot of people love that song. The lyrics to me are: if you don't, if you don't know anything about the movie Dune, yeah. And, I, and I'm and still it, the I'm, lyrics are convoluted. I'm still it? not a fan of that one either. Like side two on this, it it does die for me. Yeah, it, it's not a bad epic, but the epic on uh, the epics on Number of the Beast, like Halabida Name, is a much better song than this. Yes, um, it, it's a it's okay way to end the record, but if the last three tracks had been anywhere near as strong as the first. Five. Yeah, right. You're talking one, probably one of the best metal albums of all time, in my opinion. Because um, a lot of people think this is their favorite Maiden record. Yeah. And there's people that do love all the songs on it, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's consistently great. Yeah, and I think part of that is probably the fact that you come off a number of the beast. You've got the new singer. You've got an elevated position for the band. There's a lot of expectation for this. And I think that in a lot of cases, the the want to entirely love it overrides the whole sense of, do I really or don't I? And it's kind of like, that was kind of like, it became everybody's band at that point. I think that's part of why this is such a favorite to people. Yeah, yeah. And I believe on this tour, I think they did shows with Priest. Um, which would have been awesome. An album a lot of Maiden fans fondly look back on. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it really did cement the uh, the, leg- the name of the band at the time, that the number of the beast was not a fluke. Yep. Um, that Bruce was really coming into his own, new drummer. Um, yeah, a lot, of, drummer. a lot of changes, definitely a critical album. And, you know, although I don't think it's a 100% home run, I, I think they did deliver on kind of the promise of the prior release, which is good. Yeah, definitely. Well, now... 84. We are on to Power Slave. And I love, I love the artwork on this. Awesome. So, 
Fucking awesome. I actually have a a virgin maiden vinyl pressing. So these were made as promotionals for radio stations. Oh, great. And nice. uh, so they're it's they're they're actually they're pretty rare. And uh but yeah, it's it's you know, got the regular sleeve and all that. And whoever came up with the concept for this with the Egyptian team is a fucking genius. And what's what's amazing too is that my my regular copy that I have, I still have the I slit the shrink wrap, but I still have the shrink wrap on there. <laughs> and I've only slit the shrink wrap very recently because I always played the radio pressing. I never played my actual purchased copy. So that was sealed. Yeah. Why did you fucking open and, it? And I, well, I was I was curious, and uh, yeah. So, but yeah, that's this has been very recently. I still have some other ones from like the seventies and eighties that I actually never slid open. But, but yeah, this one here. Like I said, I, I, the cover on this just, like, really grabbed me. and uh, There's just, a lot going on in the cover. This yeah. is a magnifying glass cover. Yes. There's a lot of hidden gems in this. Right. Um, and, and I think it's just, overall, I think it's just this, like, amazing cover. And, awesome. And some covers for Maiden, yeah, you can shrink them back to four and a half inches, and the CD cover is, like, okay. But this is one of those covers that... You need to see it as a twelve by twelve. It these, just doesn't do it justice. Paintings. These yes. are computer generated yeah. Yeah. things, you know, where you can cut and paste and, and all that shit. Um this is the guy actually painted these. Yep. Um incredible. Yeah, and, and the other thing that's interesting with this is the amount of effort they had to make to cut this right, to get it to sound right, because this is just a hair over 51 minutes long. Yeah. Most albums are about 45. Yeah. So to have the the depth of bass tone on this and get it in at 51 minutes, that's a feat. There's a note, I believe it's in Live After Death, about that. That yeah. it says that only the best people in the world can do it. And yeah. we only employ the best. And and if you look at the at the 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 width of the run out it's smaller than a regular album, mm. but this is cut insanely, insanely well. Um, and I don't think a lot of people appreciate that, that this at 51, a little over 51 minutes, this is crazy that they were able to do it. Yeah. And you, ha- you have to wonder at this stage how much material they, they actually have to work with because you've heard, we've talked to enough bands and we've read enough over the years that they have their whole lives to make the first album, so they've mm-hmm. got all these songs. And then the second record, they might have some stuff left over. Yep. And then they've got to write a load of new stuff. But you, this is Maiden's, what, fifth record? Yeah, I think part of their five years is, and especially with Maiden, is Maiden has got two people that are voracious readers, mostly of history, but that they read a lot and they digest a lot. And I think that really helps with both Steve and Bruce with what they do. And, I mean, it's a similar thing that, you know, say what you want about Lemmy, but, you know, a lot of his stuff was historic as well, and it's because he read history like a freaking madman. He lives there. You know, and, and I he, think he, that... All the memorabilia and all that. Oh, I know. He was, but he, he lived Yeah, exactly. He did live it. And, yeah. and so, so that band had one guy doing that and having that depth. And he just kept punching out albums after album. This band, I think that's part of their thing, is that, and it's to this day still, that Bruce will go down a tangent on something on history, or Steve like has that. And he's got a lot of these other varied interests too. And I think that really helps a lot with what they do. Mm. And again, track one, Steve Harris. Track eight, last track. Steve Harris. Uh-huh. Opens with a Steve song, ends in a Steve song. Yep. Same as, the same as uh, Peace of Mind. Right. And, like Peace of Mind, Ace is High, just track one, is single number two, which is a Steve Harris, as yeah. opposed to single number one, which is Two Minutes to Midnight, which is a Dickinson Smith. Yeah. Adrian definitely wrote the more commercial tunes. He still does. He does, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I mean the first single off of that they did off of uh, Sinjutsu. Writing when, on the wall. Yeah, and when and when they played that the first time I heard that on Sirius, I was like, "Ah, Steve, or Adrian, I'm sorry." It was like, "Yeah, that's." It could just tell, boom, that it was. So it's um, yeah, definitely he 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 is that that kind of writer, absolutely. Yeah. So you got Aces High, fucking great song. It's, great song. Uh, yeah. I think and, it closes their set now, doesn't it? And I think it's the last song in, in the, the current tour. Um. I'm nearly sure it is. I don't remember. And I think I know that it was in the la- the tour that they did a couple of years ago. Was yeah. in that you saw that tour, didn't the, you? Well, they had the plane coming out, and was that the? It opening? was earlier. It's the opening track, was it? Or it was early. Um, no, it wasn't the opening. Tour but fourth. it was earlier. Early in the set. Yeah, it was earlier in the set for the plane. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, I I I I love Aces High again. Th- I'm pretty sure I have the single over there as well. Single covers awesome as well, and I mean, still, they've even got a, a shirt just for this tour. That's the Aces High cover. Of course, they have a you shirt know? for the tour, because it'll sell. Well, <laughs> and that one does because I tried to they get all it. They fucking sell. They made it as a as an event tee for the stop here, and yeah, it's like sold out. Gone. Son of a bitch. Gone. Yeah, two minutes of midnight. Great song. Great commercial song. Yep. Um. Obviously, couldn't come up for any lyrics for the instrumental. Lost for words. <laughs> yep. They actually did that live. Um, I remember a friend of mine had a, he had all the singles, and he taped all the B sides for me back in back in the day when he got cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. So I'd have a C ninety tape, and I remember he had all the, he took uh-huh. all the B sides. Yeah. So he had the covers, and then he had some live tunes, and I remember Lost for Words was one of them. Um, that they they did they did actually play it live, and then of course Bruce. Starts, you know, uh-huh. writing about about fencing. Yep. yep. So you got Flash of the Blade. Yep. And the Jewelers. I love the Jewelers. Well, that's oh, sorry, that's Steve Harris. Um, but Flash of the Blade is Dickinson. Yep. I I love the fucking Jewelers. I love the way it it comes back in in the end of it. Um, I've always been a fan of that track. Back in the village. Um, yeah, it's 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 decent. It's yeah, that one there, like. I like it, and then I don't. And I think what it is is it's got this lilting character that I just feel like the melody's floating, and it's like, and I just I don't know for some reason I don't like that kind of lilting thing that happens on it. Yeah, it's like okay, we need a fast song to open up side two, and, and back in the village is it. And then of course you got the title track. Yeah, which is uh, which is awesome, freaking awesome. Yeah. yeah, Bruce Dickinson wrote that on his own. And then in my opinion, this is. The best long song Maiden has ever released. And, and also Rave why the Asian album Martyr. has only got three tracks on side yeah. two and it's 51 minutes um, long. This f- song is fucking amazing. Um, I've said this before on the show. When it breaks down in the middle and then it comes back in right before the guitar solos, still gives me fucking goosebumps the way it builds and builds and builds. Yeah, I mean, it is it is good. Cause, and I'm not a massive fan of Maiden long songs but this one does have the right the movements fit together and it they're not just like self-aggrandizing musical wanking that there's a reason for everything and um i also like i really like steve's bass work on this as well yeah yeah but this is them really stretching out Mm -hmm. um especially especially on that song um they there's nothing like that on any of the other albums that are anywhere near as, you know, right. as complicated as this. Right. There's no way in hell Paul Diano could do that song. No. This is this is where the band were really comfortable with yep. who they were, really comfortable with Bruce. Um, again, under pressure to get material out, but this yeah. this record is home run. I think. Speaking of Diano, too, I, I definitely, I've got a give kudos to Maiden for yeah. stepping up yeah. and the willingness to help him out with his medical expenses. Yeah. They that did was, it with Clive Bird in you know, shows on the... Um, they did the benefits the and things like tour. that. They did shows yeah, in this, London, yeah. This was really good. They, they, I, I thought that was that was a good thing. Did you see the video where Steve met Paul no. in the wheelchair? No. Yeah, it's it's out there. Um, I don't think Steve had seen Paul for years. Mm. And uh, yeah, they had, it was nice someone videoed it. They were having a laugh and a joke and a mm. great time and you know, it was very cordial and, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, um, made in a class act. Yeah, 
Yeah, they um, are. Yeah. You know, they're very close-knit. Um, they're a bit like ACDC, where if you're Indian or Circle, mm-hmm. you're in, but for anyone that's outside, it, you're outside. Yeah. The thing with Maiden as well yeah. is if you're... And Paul was part of the band, and... And he's, he's for the most part, always still spoke well of them. Yeah, he's you know? made a lot of mistakes in his life. Yeah, and so um, he's been pretty honest about things, and... Yeah, and, uh, he hasn't looked after himself yeah. very well. Um, yeah. He's... You know, he, he did some spells in jail for fraud, and um, hey, you do things, you do things. But yeah, I mean, this is. I think this is. I think another one of these. I I definitely like this album more than I liked Peace of Mind. Part of it is is absolutely the artwork. It just it grabbed you. It really made you think. It was definitely one of these ones where you could keep looking at it while you're listening and being like, holy, you know, I'm seeing, I'm finding things. Um, so it was a much more visual experience. Um, I think also that the way that they uh, really started to put all of that into uh, the tour set and all of that, so incorporating all that imagery live is really where it kicks off on this album. And then you can see that, you know, even with this, right, it, so it bumps up to two in the UK, pops up to 12 in the US, which is pretty good. Um, Considering, you know, overall mainstream accessibility for the album, it's not really, the, you know, at the top end for it. But I think that they, uh, I think they made some really good strides with this one. I really do. Yeah, well, the plan on this, when it came out, it's pretty obvious, was, right, we have the artwork, we have the songs. Um, we are, we're already thinking about what, where we're going to play, how big the venues are going to play, mm-hmm. and what stage show we're going to do to yeah. incorporate it yeah. all in. I mean, it's definitely, at this point, they have a, a cohesive yeah. plan for Because it. when you look at Peace of Mind and you look at the artwork, you, how can you transcend that mm-hmm. to a, a big arena stage? You right. can't. But with the Egyptian team, it's massive. Correct. You can fucking put it everywhere in the fucking building. Right. And, and that's what they did. Yeah. And, and this was the one that blew them up, especially in the US. Mm-hmm. And they fucking, they toured so much on this record that it nearly fucking killed them mm-hmm. in, in the end. Yeah, and, and then and hence you have a gap in did studio you, so albums Did, did you see this tour? Because when you look at the shows they did in the US, I know Twisted Sister did shows with them. They did two legs in North America and they weren't small. Yeah. They were fucking huge. Like all the le- all the show all the legs on this tour were prolonged. Like, I think they did like 165, 170 shows in mm. total. Focus. And oh shit. That's a fucking lot of shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they tore their asses off um, on this. Absolutely. I think Quiet Riot did shows with them, and they were on Mental Health. You'd, in '84, Twisted Sister were on Stay Hungry, um, and Accept were on. Uh, was Balls to the Wall '84? Um, I think it was. Okay, so the opening act. Yeah, because I would have been on the radio then, and I believe that was '84. And the opening bands, they weren't small. Yeah, they had albums that were selling. Speaking of All except, of I don't know if you saw it, but yeah, you know playing, the, the Volts. They're playing the Tupelo. Playing the Tupelo, yeah. yeah, which is like, so they went from one pain in the ass place to get, and if you were the poor bastards that bought tickets for the Vault, thinking, oh, well, that's a quick two hop for me, now they got to be like the two hours away. opposite end. Yeah, yeah it's cra- I mean, it looks, it's it's good for us if we want to go, because it's what, a Thursday night, I think? Half an hour. But it's like, I'm thinking, wow, it's from one thing to another. But at least I'm glad that... They did get another venue because the other day when I looked, I'm like, son of a bitch, I know the vault's closing. It's And they announced their tour dates and it was still on there. It's like, what the hell? Um, but yeah, so they, it, it's They've good. moved. I know a lot of people don't, aren't interested in this, but they're trying to move as many shows out of there as possible. It's a pity that a venue like that shut because yeah. it was one of the one of the few venues in the area that were catering to bands like that. Like, right. Like, I mean, it was, it was good. They booked a lot of bands in, but... It's it's just in not a very accessible area. That's what a lot of people were commenting on, that the venue was nice, it was a good size, but it was some. It can be a pain in the ass right. to, to get to. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, you I mean, know, similarly, they did, they did shows in Alhanda to him. I never went there. It was a little bit too far away, especially yeah. during the week. And well, I'm not yeah, going there it's now. A, it's <laughs> a drive, and and when you're trying to get out of there, coming back here. It's a boring drive, which is a killer late at night, that it's just an absolute boring drive. Okay. But it's a similar thing back when there was a great club in Nashua um, in the 90s called Sharkies. And they booked all kinds of bands. I mean, Godsmack played there I don't know how many times. and and But it was the same thing. It was just if if you were coming out of Boston or anywhere else, it just wasn't centrally located enough to, to make it viable, okay. you know? Right, so let's bring it back to Maiden. <laughs> so let's do well, yeah. Well, we kind of, yeah, a little tangent, but yeah. So, but so let's talk. Even though we're talking studio albums, we got to talk oh, live after death because this is Richie's gateway introduction to Maiden. It's one of my gateway albums into metal. It was and, the it was the first Maiden record I ever heard. Right, and I I what I I can't look at this album without thinking about you talking about hearing these songs, and then going back to the other albums and being, who the hell is this guy singing? Like, yeah. I just, I <laughs> just can't. Killers. I look at the, every time <laughs> I look at this album, I think about this, that you started here, you heard these things that Paul sang originally, you only knew them by what Bruce was doing yep. on them, yep. and then going back and hearing it kind of in reverse. Yeah, and I, I didn't just, even I know they had another unique. singer for the first two records. Yeah, and, I, and like I said, I can't look at this album without thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what I was saying earlier on about the live versions mm-hmm. being better, um, Paraslave definitely on that. Yeah. Definitely. It just like on this on the on the studio album it's on this it's everything is a lot faster. Oh it's yeah, beefed up a lot yeah. more. Well, you get the you get the adrenaline rush that Nico's going through, and and if you get a drummer that's getting an adrenaline rush, everything's going to pick up, and and you hear it here. Yeah, and the artwork. Oh my god! Again, another one of these ones that you come out of Power Slave, you had one thing. Now you look in this one, and you're thinking, "Holy crap!" There's just so many more things going on here. Yeah, and I you believe, um, I believe Crusher Jewel was. Uh, from, who we had on from who, who oh, was yeah. from Kerrang. Yeah. I believe he did the uh, the design on, on the inside. Um oh. yeah. He did a he did a, a good few albums around that time. I believe that is one of them. Um but w- when you look at that gatefold sleeve, the front and the back are one picture. And when you open up the inside it's it's the, the fucking stage show. Yeah, and, you, and you're right. Sleeved, the sleeve design is Crusher. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He did Born Again. He did um, Die of a Madman. He did... Not sure if he's going to want to admit Born Again, but... No, he, he admits it. <laughs> no, I know. Um, I mean, it's just one of these... But that's just some of the records that he did. Yeah. Just Born Again is kind of one of those classic, the fuck? Yeah, but a lot of people covers. love that album cover because <laughs> it's, of it. It's, it's, like, um, it's like that, you know, that Death album, Leprosy? Yeah, that album yeah. cover, I put I put it up on Facebook there. I don't know a while back that you know that album cover was terrible and fucking people went after me. That fucking <laughs> album cover is fucking awesome. I'm like okay, but uh, stage show sound. That's one of the best live albums yeah. of all time for me. Well, you've also got like a really good mix here of all of this too, because I mean they could have done something where they just did kind of i'll use the reference back like kiss right kiss alive one it's got those you know those three albums before it kiss alive two it's really the next three albums there's nothing from the first three albums on there this they did a really it's like it is the show and it's a really good mix and and it's also i mean it really does serve as as a really good and done a greatest hits but it's a great introduction to everything Maiden. What's missing on it? Uh, what would you put on it? That's and t- what would you take off and put on? And what would you swap? It's very difficult. It is because I think one of the great things about that one is that I think it's side four is a different show. It's I think it's one of the Hammersmith shows in London, and yeah, the and first I think the rest three of sides of Long, Long Beach. Beach. Yeah, I think. 
What's side two, which with with rhyme, power slave, and number of the beast? I don't know. It's almost like they should have put a couple of the other earlier ones. With There's only rhyme. one track on Killers on it, isn't it? Ratchild. I think you're right. Yeah, I think that and, is. And the, the debut has got Iron Maiden. Phantom of the Opera is on that, isn't it? That's a Hammersmith show. Phantom of the Opera is the last it's song. It's a Hammersmith show. And Running Free. Running Free is Long Beach. Yeah, so three yeah. shows, three three tracks from the debut, one from Killers. Um, And I would have been disappointed if Running Free wasn't on here. Yeah, I, again, I, I've said it already. I would have loved We Were Eagles there on that. But they ha- Die With Your Boots On is on it, isn't it? The Trooper is on it. Uh, uh, yeah. Flight of Icarus is on it. Yep. Even Revelations is on it. Yeah, so you've already got four tracks of <laughs> peace of mind. Um, yeah, how many songs are on that record? Uh, so we won't count the intro in Churchill's speech. Yeah, but what a fucking awesome three, four, intro. Five, six, Come on. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. You have 17 songs. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what and I think that's part of the great thing is they did include that speech part. Because we're all, it, it's just, it's kind of like going to see or having a live Metallica album that doesn't have Ecstasy of Gold opening it up. It's like you need to have that. Now, you you have a lot of Maiden stuff, right? Yeah. Over the years. You've got singles and all that stuff. I don't have as much as you. Um, And you've got, I'm not saying you have unreleased stuff, but there's odds and sods that they've released over the years. You got that box set that with uh, yeah, what's it called? Eddie's not Eddie's head. Um, I can't remember what it's. Yeah, called. It, it, I um, can't believe how much those things go for oh, now. Shit, ton it's of crazy. Money. Yeah. Um, have they ever released the whole show that's on side four? I, I wonder where it is if they have it. I I don't think they did. And I know that they've always had an issue with earlier days, too, of um, getting good soup-to-nuts audio and video for a particular show as well. Um, so I don't, I don't think they have the whole show. Okay, I wish they, I'd love to hear that, because uh, it's Hammersmith Audience. Yeah, right? it's a different vibe. Yeah, smaller venue. Vibe. Yeah. Um, at that stage, I think they were doing multiple nights at, at Hammer. I think that's the reason they recorded both shows there, is they were doing it multiple nights. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to move the equipment around. And, yeah, you but know, I they think pop, it's, it's, they, it's good. I think the it's best, a, best songs. a different crowd. Definitely much more accepting of the variety, which is also an awesome reason why you'd want to hear that. Mm-hmm. But the band at that stage, they're so tight. They've been on the road for so much playing the songs and I'm sure they were sick of playing some of the songs at that stage. Probably. Um, but the fucking show is awesome. Like the video. I haven't watched the video in, in years, but yeah. I remember watching it and I was like, fuck me, what a fucking show. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, you got a lot of a lot of metal heads now that likes of Scott Ian and, and mm-hmm. all, all these guys. Yeah. That album was a fucking huge influence on him. That show was a huge influence on him. Like, people talk about Kiss in the 70s being visually a fucking massive band right. on them. Yeah. Fucking Maiden in the 80s. On that, that tour, you can't go to an arena and, and see that show and not come out going, holy fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they, don't, they didn't have as um, kind of that whole you know, as much of a visual spectacle, but then they weren't basing their entire show on this just visual spectacle either. And they still run that balance now where you go to see them and you get amazing visuals, but it isn't like constant every song, something's blowing up, exploding kind of thing. Um, but it, it is, it's consistent. It's really well done. It's really thought out and and considerate. And yeah, I think it's, they still put on an amazing show. So a quick story on, on that. Kind of embar- It's actually an embarrassing story. Um, when I was 16 years old, and I, that album was embedded in my brain, um, of course, I had the denim jacket. And what, was, what were you putting on denim jackets at that uh, stage? You were yeah, back patches, patches right? Yeah. So I had a big back patch of that album cover uh-huh. on the back of my denim jacket. And a guy in my class got killed in a motorbike accident, and I went to the funeral. 
and I'm walking into the church and I realised that at a funeral I had a live after death patch <laughs> on my jacket and I fucking ran outside and took it off and walked back into the church. I'm like, this is completely fucking inappropriate. <laughs> and I'll never, ever forget that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I am in intense pain, Tinky. So now we move on. Oh, yeah. Um, this so, was this was Bruce Dickinson's. Um, I'm going to write some Led Zeppelin type songs. Uh, this was well. The first thing always on this one, I I always initially think this is definitely one of the high points in their cover art. Yeah, you know that as far as we're talking about sheer, somewhere in time. Yes, thank you. Somewhere in time, sheer messaging on here. It is absolutely insane if you're a Maiden fan. The amount of stuff that you just continue to just dig and dig and dig on this. And well, what what Maiden had done, they'd gone back in the past with the Egyptian team. Yep. And now they decided, right, we've done the thing in the past. Yep. We're going to go in the future now. Yep. And they went with a a Terminator style uh, Eddie. Yep. And um, yeah, it's a fucking awesome album cover. It, in a, in some ways, there's too much going on in it. Um, yeah, but again, this is this is really the thing that I used to love about listening to albums too was to just sit down there, put it on, and you're just reading the liner notes and staring at the cover and seeing, trying to figure out what you don't know on here, and and I think you know now, I think people can go and and you know, go online and find out everything on the cover or whatever. But I mean, why would you, why would you want to have that? You know, there's some clever stuff on it. Aces high bar. Yeah. It's got West Ham United, I seven, know. Arsenal three. Exactly. Yeah. I uh, love that 20, one. The time was 2358, two minutes to midnight. Yep. Uh, it's got the Ruskin arms, Long Beach arena. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've got the Bradbury lot. towers to go back to Ray Bradbury. Yeah, they got Lemoore's, which is a, Classic, yeah. classic club. Got the TARDIS up there. That's Doctor Who. Yep. Um, it's just a lot of fucking clever shit in here. Yeah, I mean, you just keep going in and, and you just keep finding, you know, more and more. And there's the obvious things in here too, like you know, Icarus falling down from the sky. You know, is you got the is, pyramid in the back. Yep. Go harken back to Power Slave. Um, but this was the record, I believe, that Bruce came in with some material, and Steve says, "What the fuck." You're, you're bringing to the table. I think Bruce even said himself he was. They were all fried at the end of at the end of the sure. World Slavery tour. Yep. Um, and they had again the management and the label. You got to come up with a new record. Um, and this was another one that was. Did they go back to Nassau again? They did. So this is the third record. Or in the Bahamas, there must be some nice bars in the Bahamas. Um. Who else recorded there? Anthrax recorded there, didn't they? they a lot did. of Among people. the Living. A lot of um, people did. Who else went there? Off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody else. I know Anthrax did. Um, the Police, I yep. think, did Synchronicity there. Or Ghost in the Machine. I know they're not a metal band, but I love them anyway. Um, yeah, there's a lot of bands went there. Uh, but this record again, open track, Steve Harris. Closing track, Steve Harris. This is re- this really is uh, it's a Steve and Adrian record. Um, Bruce wrote nothing on it. Um, I think he said he was fried. Just couldn't really write anything that was in the vein of what Maiden wanted at the time. Yeah. Um, so Bruce and Adrian were left with the the lion's share of uh, of writing the material. Um, and of course, this is the one with the synths. Guitars. Which became which became really I mean even even Priest was you know was doing that as well and and yeah definitely this became a, a thing to do to have the the synth stuff yeah it's, it's interesting that Priest get a lot of flack for doing it Maiden I don't think as much I've often wondered why was it were Priest more contrived in their look it's, and the way they were approaching it that. We are going to write radio singles where Maiden just wrote Maiden songs and it was, with a touch of synth on top. Well, it was it was they were writing Maiden songs, but they were make they were using synth guitars 
in a way that they were trying to emulate all of their, you know, their guitar sounds. So the idea of, oh, well, we can make this, we can be more controlled in the sound and make things sound slicker, but we still want to sound like we're playing, you know, a Les Paul or a Strat through a Marshall and not something different where when you listen to um, like what Priest did on Turbo, then you get a, well, you know, what is this? You kind of get this other kind of fizzy, brittle sound, and it's it's more obvious that, huh, that's something different. It's, it's, it's a really processed, either it's a really processed guitar or it's another, you know, they're, or they're doing something with synth. It was obvious that they were making music with something different. I also think that Steve Harris would never write songs with lyrics like Wild Nights, Hot and Crazy Days, and Hot for Love. No, <laughs> but I mean, I still, I mean, I like pretty much every damn thing in the, in the priest catalog, except for Nostradamus. And it's just, Hey, it's, it's what you have for lyrics, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, you would never have Steve Harris doing anything like that. Yeah. I love Turbo. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it took a lot of flack, but I think that if you go back and you listen to it again, if you hated it. I think you're going to come come away with, hey, wait a minute, this actually had some hooks in here and it was well produced. And, and I think you come away with a different appreciation for it than you might have initially. Yeah. Um, so this this record has, oh, how would I describe this one? When, when we did the top five Martin Birch records. Mm-hmm. If you're interested, that is episode 470 from back in uh, September of 2020, and that's still available up at focusametalpod.com as well as uh, Amazon Music and on iTunes. Um, I think I picked Paraslave as my f- one, number one um, for many reasons, which I already explained on that show, you know. Sentimental value, quality of song, sound, yeah. artwork, the whole sound, the whole production. It was either Paraslave, it was either Paraslave or Somewhere in Time I was going to pick. Um, so this record has, it's like Live After Death to me. It, it, it's Live After Death to be one. And yeah. This record will be 1A when it comes to gate, gateways with Maiden. Yeah. Well, this is also really interesting because, you know, it's got two Adrian Smith singles, right? The singles, they're, they're both Adrian. And they're, they're fab- clearly they're Adrian. And, fabulous you know, I, them. to this day still, and I think I've said it before, one of my favorite Maiden songs still is Wasted Years. Great song. And Great song. I don't know how many other people I have recordings of with them covering it too but i don't think i've heard a bad cover yet of this song did you hear the version that adrian did last year with richie Cotson? they went and did shows together and yeah. wasted years is one of the songs oh, they played no i didn't hear it's, that it's interesting yeah. you should go back there's video out there go huh. go and listen to it um it is interesting huh. uh the way they redid it because <laughs> richie Cotson is not the metal guy right um, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's well worth, um, it's well yeah. worth a listen. But, but I mean, between that one and then with Stranger in a Strange Land, which that song really, if you listen to it, that could have easily have been a Dickinson Smith song because it does have some of the Bruce Dickinson sensibilities on it. And, and you could almost hear that on a Bruce solo album. Stranger in a Strange Land is a great fucking cover art. It's got like the the Clint Eastwood cowboy yep. Eddie. Yeah. Fucking fabulous. Yeah. But that like I, I always think of that one as that that could be a Bruce one as well. And 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 live he's definitely loves singing it. Yeah. Um but Omen track caught somewhere in time. Brilliant. Wasted years brilliant. Sea of Madness, hidden gem on this record as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Heavy, heavy, heavy. Yeah. Um Heaven Can Wait uh is is another great song. They're all fucking great on this, to be honest with you. And, song well, and great. Heaven Can Wait, that one's another anomaly on here because that, cause Heaven Can Wait almost reminds me of an Adrian song, but it's a Harris song. Yeah. Um, then you got Stranger in a Strange Land, fabulous single. Um, yeah. The two singles over five minutes long. Mm. 
Mm. I, I don't recall them getting played that much, even on top of the Pops. Uh, radio in England mostly ignored them. Yeah, well, then, yeah, Strange is, is almost six, so yeah, it's that's definitely a, mm. a longer one. Murray Harris, Deja Vu, probably one of the weaker tracks on the record. Alexander the Great's eight and a half minutes long. Not one of Steve's best epics, not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Um, it's long for the sake of being long. It's got this long intro. Um, great right. guitar solos in it, though. And the, and the other part of that, I mean, that's one of those harbingers of what they started to do consistently on latter albums, which is those long intros. And in some cases, I have gone... I mean, I remember the first time I listened to Final Frontiers, I was like, oh, fuck me, another long intro, oh, another long intro. And, and then some of them over time have grown on me and been like, okay... It's not as aggravating as it originally was, but this is definitely starts to be a harbinger of that stuff. Um, and then the other one you missed on here is, is uh, Loneliness of a Long Distance Runner as mm. well, which, again, is not really one of my favorite tracks. I'm always more of the... Uh, and when we talk about short maiden songs, it's like you know five or less kind of a deal that I'm more of a fan of than, than the longer ones. Mm. Steve Harris on this one wrote the fast tracks, more or less. Caught Somewhere in Time is fast. Loneliness and Long Distance Runner is fast. Deja Vu is fast. Um, the slower, measured songs seem to be from Adrian. Mm-hmm. Um, Heaven Can Wait is Steve. That's fast. That's, yeah, I was going to say, that's like a mid-paced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this record, I think, when it comes to set lists, yep. definitely gets overlooked. Um, I've seen the band a few times now. I've seen them do Heaven Can Wait, and I think that was on the No Prayer for the Dying Tour. Or might have been over here, mm. and they did Wasted Years. I've never seen them play anything else. Yeah, um, and they still like pretty much consistently play Wasted Years as well. So when they go back and they do the classic shows from, mm-hmm. from the eras, yeah. You always get the three or four from Peace of Mind. Yep. The three or four from Power Slave and yep. all the rest of the records. Yep. You get one from this. Yeah, and it's usually wasted. It's normally wasted years, and I don't know why. I think that I think the title track is fabulous. Uh, or not yeah. cost Although they in time. have been doing, they have been throwing in Heaven Can Wait more often. Not really. Mm, not really. But it's always either that. Are wasted years if they're going to play anything, and it's normally wasted years. Wasted years on. is usually always on it. Yeah. Um, I think the last time I saw Maiden when they played Wasted Years, it was the very last track. Um, yes, on the um, wasn't Legacy somewhere back in time tour was it? Well, the Ma- tour they did England. for Made in England, the tour that they did for Book of Souls. Yeah, that one. They, they ended the last song ended. was Wasted Years, and I years. remember because we bolted. And as we got out in the parking lot, it was, son of a bitch, we just missed Wasted Years. Yeah, we were both pissed. <laughs> we were pissed. But I think this album is, I think the band unfairly malign it. And I understand they've got a fucking shitload of tracks that they have to get in the set, but I think this album definitely deserves more love. And uh-huh. I would have loved to see a professionally shot concert or even a right. live record from this tour right and there is there is some footage but again it's another one of these things where they they just didn't do it right and it's very dim and and um it's like what are you guys thinking and i i i'm sure there's some reason behind it but yeah yeah i i wish they'd play stranger in a strange land yeah in the set because that's a fucking great arena rock right track and they just never fucking play it yeah and it's a single like they'll play album cuts ahead of that. Yeah. And I'm like, fucking play that. Like a lot of, I know Maiden fans are rabid and they know every song, but you know, if you're a, ca- a kind of a casual fan and you know the it, it made mm-hmm. eh, if you know Maiden's eighties era, yeah. Stranger in a Strange Land is one of the songs you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think maybe too with this one, where they are, you know, mentally is you start to see, like you, you know, you you kind of alluded to. There's 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 cracks forming. There's people burning out. People questioning about what they're doing and all that. And you know, I think this album has has a lot of that happening. Which then the follow on is then what happens 
with the next album after this, where it's kind of like, well, that's a change. And, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's kind of a, almost a step change when they go to that one as well. So, um, I think, I, I think that, yeah, there's probably just some mental kind yeah, of did, prejudice on this one. Yeah. On their part. Did, did, uh, Bruce, I didn't write anything on the record. It's not a record. I'm really attached to as much as the other ones. Yeah. Um, you can tell me now if I'm wrong, but to recreate those songs live, can you, can you do it without the guitar synths? Or yeah. E- e- you can. E- easily? Yeah, you can. Easy to get that sound now with that? Or yeah. It, it doesn't date the songs as much? No, I don't think so. And and even if they needed to do it, so when this was do- was being done, I mean, it's amazing that they sound, things sound as good as they do knowing where guitar synth technology was at this point in time because or miss, was it? the tracking was shitty to say the least. So you really had to be thinking about what you were playing. And if you like tried to play a chord with the wrong patch, it sounded like crap. And it was just, you really needed to invest a lot of time and in, in, in a lot of technology to be able to do that. It, it's not like it is now where, um, you know, I can pull out, you know, my electro harmonic synth nine and pop it in and it will track beautifully with the guitar. I think the band were tied in with the, the image that it's a futuristic artwork image. Yeah. We were going to try and get as modern as we can with yeah. technology to yeah. tie in with all of it. Well, the, yeah, the guitar synth stuff also was very, very big at that point because, um, you it know, you really though, had... did it? No, and again, it was because of, of the fact you needed to have special pickups and, you know, and all of that stuff. So it didn't, it was, it was tough. And I mean, I can remember with Daddy's Junkie Music up in Nashua and being great friends with Matt, who was the manager. We could walk in and he would let us play and mess with anything and i can i he had a big synth setup that was done with all these different synth brains all midied up with a guitar nicely adjusted and i can remember i i picked that up and i started playing one of our originals jeff's in the back like looking at drum stuff and all of a sudden he hears the opening of of uh one of our originals which was really kind of more of an acoustic thing but he's hearing it played by strings and organs and and he just turned around like what the hell am i like that's our song what the and he just looks over and i'm just me but i'm playing like 15 parts at the same time with the and it was so for that it tracked really well but if then if i had just tried to rip on a major bar chord the whole thing would have just sounded like a giant fart you know but now you know i can go and and do the same thing with with much less expensive technology and, and get like amazing stuff. I can remember that, uh, you know, one of the guys used to come over to the house and I would do recording for, and, and I did the B nine. He was like, wow, I've never seen that. And he was a huge deep purple fan. And so he went and I plugged it all in and he just started ripping on, uh, speed King and doing the, the, the kind of the organ guitar part. And he was like, holy shit, I'm playing both parts at the same time. And it's perfect. And it was like, yeah, and this is, that's like a, just like a little $200 pedal. Putting someone out of a job. You know, so it's, it's <laughs> the technology's come a long, long way. So now a lot of the guitar synth stuff you get, you don't even need to have the special pickups anymore. Mm. Just plug in and you go. How many of those tours did you catch? Did you catch the Peace of Mind tour? I don't remember catching that one. Power Slave. War Slavery Tour. Did you see that? I think that one I did see. I don't remember where it was. Um, might have, might have been the Centrum. Somewhere in Time Tour? I don't remember about that one either. I believe Vinnie Vincent and Ingve did shows over here on that tour. Hmm. Maybe Wasted. Yeah. Because um, I'm sure Pete Way and Steve were tight because Steve's right. a massive UFO yeah. fan. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I definitely didn't get to go to as many shows then as I do now, or, or I was working them. And in some cases, you didn't really get to see much because you were working them. Okay. You know? Yeah, but at that stage again, the band were Arena Act in America. They were Madison Square Garden. They were yep. probably back in the Long Beach Arena yeah. again. I think in the UK, though, they were doing multiple nights in, uh, I still think they were in the Hammersmith Odeon and all that. But yeah. They were, they wouldn't just play 
one of the great things I always found about Maiden, especially when it comes to the UK, not so much Ireland, which we'll, I'll get into in a future episode, but uh, they didn't, they weren't stingy when it came to doing dates in their own country. That they'd still tour up and down the country a fair bit, and and do multiple nights at small venues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think at heart, and you still see it when Steve's out with like British Lion too. At heart. They're still that club band, you know. They're still that little club band playing the Ruskin Arms, you know. It's it's still that, and I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's something I really applaud him for doing, Steve. He doesn't he doesn't have to do that, right? Um, I believe there wasn't there uh, there was a festival recently that British Lion played, and Steve did their set and then did Maiden set that night. I think so. That's fabulous. But yeah, I think it's always. I think that's great. I think it also proves that as a band and the stuff that they write that they don't need to have like the giant production values to actually go and play that stuff either. So it says a lot, you know, you talk about bands that if it sounds great on acoustic, it's going to sound great in electric, but you have a lot of bands now in metal where to really get the impact, they have to have that big, huge sound, but Maiden's still one of those bands that can go in and just play their asses off in a little club and just make the impact. It's Mm. awesome. Wouldn't you love to see that maiden just go somewhere and play in a club? Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah. Um, I wish more bands would do that. Yeah, um, they just don't want to, and I don't blame them. Because um, at this stage in their lives, they're all in their like mid sixties. Yeah. So they want to go and play in a club. Well, I did, I did that will, for fucking four years. Well, I mean, what's it. great is like, I mean, I'm gonna be going to see Last in Line in a little club in Worcester in the fall, and we're talking it's. A what, small club, yeah. When are they playing? Um, okay, look, I'll look on my phone and get the date. But yeah, I, I mean, didn't fucking know that the club they're playing is probably maybe two times the size of, of this place. It's not big, and 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 the stage is tiny because I'm going to be like, how the hell are they going to get Vinny's drums on there? But yeah, they're playing. A small club in Worcester. Yeah, when we're done here, I want the date. So I'm, I'm going to that. <laughs> and it's Most it's uh, yeah. I'll get. I, I know I have it on there. I think it's September, but yeah, I, I'll okay. I'll find out. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So let's wrap it up. That's, All right. Uh, that's the next tree. Yep. And then we're on to the next tree and the next tree yep. and the next tree. They get we'll, harder we'll get after this. This is think to so? me. This is prime. Then after that, I start to have a little more difficulty. But right. these are prime. No, I, Difficulty, it might be as much. Oh, it's fabulous! But there's yeah. still a lot to talk about. There is, there is. It's the, it's the, yeah, the shock and awe is kind of to me is all on this end of it, and not so much on the other end of it. Yeah, I still get stuff from the other records. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll get to that. All right, we'll get yeah. to that eventually. <laughs> Awesome. Well, good. I'm mean, knocking another three out. That's good. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, stay tuned for uh, the next chunk. Yep. All right. So with that, uh, that's all there is. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for myself and the Irons, have yourselves a great middle week. And until we talk to you again, as always, remember. Focus on metal. Everything else is insane. If I could. Still here? It's over. Go home.